Hello everyone, episode 5 of the E-Word here. This is your boy Hot Dog, and I'm joined by co-host Ellie, as always. How are you doing tonight, Ellie? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Um, I just been sober for like two weeks, so that's good. But yeah, mostly I'm pretty good. How are you, Kyle? I'm pretty good. I just experienced my final day at a job I've been working for three years, so I'm like feeling a little weird and kind of like uh, built up too much, you know? Because people say good things to you on your way out, so I feel a little weird. Uh, probably write an emo song about that. Probably. So, Ellie, we have a very special guest joining us today. We've got Tom Mullen from Washed Up Emo. Tom, how are things? Oh, it's fantastic. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Yeah, we're super, super stoked. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Yeah. So. And I've been and I've been sober forever. So two <laughs> weeks. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it was weird. I was I was listening to Earth Crisis, and I was like, "Wow, these guys are really speaking my language." You know, <laughs> they still are. Yeah, some strife, some Snapcase. Yeah, Snapcase weren't straight edge; they were just like super vegan. Oh, uh, you know what? You're right. You're right. That is fair. <laughs> I made that mistake once too. Yeah, was, uh, they're Buffalo, right? Yeah. Yes. Supposedly, a friend saw them last week, and they uh, played a new song. So I think they might have some new music. I don't know how many people are going to care, but Dude, I care. <laughs> I adore Snapcase. I've met Daryl, and he's like one of the nicest people I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. So. The first interview for my zine, which only had two issues, and in high school, the first uh, interview was Snapcase. Oh, well, that's, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. <laughs> and the second one, would you like to know the second one, which yes. was also this band's first ever interview. My high school zine had the band. Can you guess the band that did this interview? Um, all right. Emo you, band, you said... not around anymore. And I did their first ever interview. Okay. Hmm. Um, you said Snapcase, so I'm assuming the timeline is like 1995? Yes. Okay, and first ever interview. And you're from the East Coast. I'm from the East Coast. Okay, so I'm I'm trying to narrow I'm trying to narrow all this down. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask what like were they a Midwesty band? Were they a more of an emotive hardcore band? Neither. Were they? Uh... They uh, they were opening for Fugazi at the time. Were they okay. on tour with them? I think they did a few dates. Okay, all right, and it's 1995, so I feel like that's too late for Hoover's first interview. Oh, fuck. You got me stumped. The, the, one of the members is a doctor. Now a doctor. Fuck. You want me to tell you? Yeah. You want me to tell you? Karate. Oh, my God. Jesus. Oh, my God. They were opening, and I got the 7-inch, and I was like, this is fucking amazing. I'm going to try to find them and email them. And I emailed Eamon Vitt, who's now a doctor. And actually, it's funny. Norm from Texas is friends with him. And I believe they're, he's his patient. I can't remember. But anyway, like full circle kind of weird thing but yeah that was my like like their first ever interview we did it over email it's just crazy and again now i'm sitting with you guys on you know a site called you know reddit their subreddit now i have a podcast i just kind of love i kind of love how music does that sometimes i am so psyched what a great beginning to this (laughs) all right uh Tom, before we go into things, uh, as of last year, it seems like your resume added something pretty major to it, which is um, the anthology of Emo Volume 1, your book. You know, what was kind of the genesis of that? It was, 
I had thought about it for a couple years and I said, Hey, I've been doing a hundred plus interviews. I know all these bands. I've been involved in the scene for a really long time. I'd love a serious look at emo. And that was the whole sort of impetus to the, to the book to be like, can I, can I take the stories and maybe someone that's never listened to the podcast or never gone to the website, maybe they can learn about emo this way. And it's not, you know, a joke and it's not sort of like, it looks like it came like the book came from hot topic. So that was the whole sort of idea to, can I do a serious book about emo and have it be sort of academic? And I met a friend who is a book designer and had said, Hey, if you ever want to do a book, let me know. And six months later, I kind of said, Hey, I've got this idea to take my, take my episodes and kind of make a book. And he's like, I have an idea. And so we kind of went back and forth and that's kind of the genesis of it. Cool. Yeah. I, uh, I really enjoyed that. You said it doesn't sound like it's a hot topic book because the, I know it's not what you meant, but that could be construed as a little bit of a pot shot at our buddy, Leslie Simon there. <laughs> I love Leslie. Leslie's been on Leslie's been on the podcast. She came to my book event at Donut Friend in LA. I thanked her in the book. Trevor the same way. I poke fun of them about the book, but they were also it, it was the time. It was that time. That's what things looked like. That's what their publisher probably wanted. So, it wasn't a pot shot sort of like in the time and place. That's that fit when I was I when I putting this together 10 years after that, I thought let's have a different approach to the word and maybe it's looked at differently than you know sort of i mean i've said this on other people i've said this to other people in other interviews around the book but i feel like emo is like comedy of oscars like it's not going to get best picture it's it's not going to get any of that love it's it's going to get kind of scoffed at of like not really art and my literally my goal for the last 10 years of the website and 25 years of being in this music scene and being in hopefully in the business somehow or being in the business for this long is that's my whole thing is just, I want people to take it seriously. Yeah. And you know, I, I brought that up, but I didn't mean that as like a, a pot shot to Trevor and Leslie at all, because uh, you know, I really love that book. I think it's really funny and it's really, uh, there's so there's funny. a lot of action. Yeah, there's actually a lot of really good information in that book. Uh, like they literally shout out Prozac memory who I think um, like me and like three jaded hardcore lifers from 924 Gilmont Street remember. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, wasn't Trevor also the, the person to snag like the Jawbreaker interview right after they broke up for Punk Planet? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, like they they obviously have a ton of credit. I'm not going to I'm not going to slam them. And like I said, I love the book, but you are you are totally correct that that stuff, that atmosphere definitely contributes to the reason that uh, this music that we love so much is kind of uh, uh, marginalized and put put in like the emo ghetto, as it were. So, yeah, it definitely it definitely was a, an approach, and I think I, I think the book. It, it seeing the list of people being like, oh, I really like this band. Okay, maybe I'll check out this other one. That was sort of another piece that I thought was kind of cool. Like, hey, if you, I mean, it's funny. I just saw Chris Caraba today in my office, and he was commenting on a bunch of my Sunny Day stuff in my office, and we were kind of talking, and I was like, that's it. That's someone that kind of broke huge and was one of the biggest acts in the cover of magazines, and now I loved that where 
if he he when he got the book he's like oh i read more about you know christy front drive and so that was that kind of back and forth of learning about something else other than what you were kind of in was fun to kind of put together yeah i got the book and i love it and i definitely like i echo that same sentiment that you said there so does volume one kind of uh infer that we're gonna get some more volumes yes cool cool <laughs> yeah that was sort of the the funny part about i was like do we do we say volume one and, and then my friend was like jesse was like we're gonna probably have to do two and i was like okay because it's really expensive to do a book um i found that out and i did this all on my own i didn't have anybody polyvinyl i hired to sort of let me ship 1500 books to their warehouse so they could ship them because i don't have space in my studio apartment uh in new york so the that was probably the the only piece um that sort of was somebody helping and the guy that designed it so it was really fun to put together but then when you sign that check off to the book publisher or the 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 printer uh it's uh it's a you definitely wince um but it was it's rad like someone posted a photo in russia that had the book and oh. mexico brazil somewhere in eastern europe i forget where it was um singapore uh japan like just are you kidding me like, <laughs> you know like someone is you know aware of this somewhere else other than you know the 10 friends that i think actually bought it so it's really <laughs> cool to hear you know that all these people around the country and in, in the um you know like it so yes volume two i've already started working on it um and i hope to have it out this year hell yeah awesome i love i love the volume one thing it reminds me of like when pokemon the first movie came out (laughs) (laughs) i mean i hope as you like line them up and you're if people still have bookshelves and people still buy books like i hopefully as you line it up it kind of looks like those old encyclopedias Oh, yeah, and that was yeah, kind yeah, of the, no, the feel of the work too. Like, like the feel of it. Like, I wanted it to feel like a you were taking something out of the library. No, I literally have like space set aside for like future future volumes in my bookshelf. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! Yeah. Thank you. I wish my Patreon was bigger so I could just quit my job and and actually do an entire encyclopedia of emo and do a documentary and all these things. But uh, I have another job. You have no idea. <laughs> You have no idea how amazing it would be to to see like an emo documentary. Yeah. Like beyond like what that what's that Philly documentary? My basement is a shithole. Yeah. Like yeah. beyond yeah. like that beyond like that little like DIY stuff or like the Brave documentary or and stuff like that. Like I really would love to see it come out from like a more of a retro view perspective. Uh, well, uh, I would uh, hang on. Don't worry, I'm working on something. <laughs> Damn. Got one in the chamber. That? All right. We got a we got a, the first teaser trailer for uh scenes from the emo underground nineteen eighty five to two thousand it's, it's crazy to think that you love something for so long and you obsess about something and then you get to talk to somebody and help them and then your you know, people are asking your advice or asking for your help. Like tell me that when I was interviewing karate for my paper zine that I stole, you know, paper from Kinko's, like, tell me that (laughs) I don't think I would have, maybe I, maybe I, I think, Oh, my dad worked at the school. So I probably just used the school printer, you know, copiers when I was making stuff for the zines, but like, like anybody paid for paper. Um, But I think that moment, you know, to think this many years later to be able to put something together on paper and have people be interested and be, 
interviewed by you know people like we've never met but we have such a common thing about music like that's what keeps me going that's why like i love this so much and those relationships and those things between people like just how we connected about snapcase like we're good like that's actually how i met my one of my friends in college he had a snapcase shirt on in the middle of the quad and i could see the shirt but it was like i didn't i had my glasses on i'm like oh my god i think that's a snapcase shirt i ran up to him and jumped on his back and said we're going to be friends and <laughs> and i and i was like have you ever heard of converge and he's like no and i was like come up to my apartment or come up to my dorm and i was a sophomore he was a freshman and we listened to uh the saddest day by converge off petitioning the empty sky and he was like cool this is awesome who did that guy end up being he was the founding guitar player of hopes fall I don't know if you guys remember Jesus that. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, the satellite so, years is one of my favorite. Yeah, so Ryan Parrish and I went to school together and we connected on, we were actually in another hardcore band um, that never saw the light of day. We had a bunch of practices. I wish I could share the music. We would in bands together um, and uh, he ended up, you know, do, doing Hope's Fall. But like all of yeah. that from just a kid's t-shirt. So long story short, I love when these kind of things happen because you're only going to learn more about stuff. Like he told me about morning again and a lot of this like Christian stuff that I didn't know about. So, uh, it was, uh, it was definitely fun. So again, I think that's, that's what it is, right? Just sharing. Yeah. You bringing up morning again, just brought like this whole wave of nostalgia for like, like strong arm and, uh, focal point and unashamed and all those Christian hardcore bands. So thanks for that. <laughs> do you remember Spitfire? I do. I do remember Spitfire. So the um, drummer, remember, the drummer yeah. dated my friend in college, and he would come visit her on weekends. He lived in Virginia Beach. She lived. She went. Uh, we were in a school called Elon in North Carolina. He would drive to see her. But because I worked at the radio station and I just got free records, and we would go to shows for free all the time he would just hang out with me so she would get really mad because he would drive five <laughs> hours and he would just come hang out with me and we'd go listen to records and go see fear factory and you know be like super whatever but he uh they're they're married they have two kids don't worry um but he would literally spend all the time with me <laughs> that's great <laughs> so nerdy she would get so pissed I also remember a Nine Iron Spitfire. Oh, God, so many bad bands on Tooth and Nail. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I believe at a Nine Iron Spitfire's first show, they covered Botch. Really? Yeah. And I will have to, uh, I'll have to look for the videotape on that. Also, at one of Botch's first shows, they covered Firestorm by Earth Crisis. <laughs> I think you're supposed to. I think that's actually yeah. how you get signed. Yes. You have to do Firestorm. Yes. Or chokehold. If you do chokehold, or if you do Earth Crisis, I think you've. Uh, I was at an Earth Crisis show once, and I stage dove, and for some reason, like they kept me up. And Carl gave me the mic, and he's like, "What do you want to hear next?" And I fucking forgot what they were like <laughs> the set list. So I just said Ecoside just to like. I was like, I don't know, maybe they didn't play that yet. And he's like, We already fucking played that. And he like all these kids like threw me off each. They're like, You suck. I was like, This is the worst day. <laughs> I also lost my voice to Downset that night. Oh, you guys downset. downset. Yeah, I remember there's Zach De La Roca diss track. Anger hostility towards the opposition. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. 
pocket full you of guys didn't think you were going to talk about hardcore this much this year. <laughs> no. no no i i went into this <laughs> wanting to talk about hardcore because like i that I'm is a, the root that is yeah. the root i am i'm the we're going to talk about that later that's one of my things but um i'm i moderate our email and it's like absurd to me like i feel it's very puzzling to me that i mod our email because like hardcore is my favorite genre it's not emo that downset uh all the all those bands that were like very into like the graffiti scene, like Dystopia and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you totally Sub Zero. Oh, this is the best. Sub Zero, yeah, for sure. Um, I believe Phobia, <laughs> Phobia had some uh some graffiti writers in their ranks too. Oh, of course. Yeah, Madball. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean that goes without saying. Yeah, demonstrating <laughs> my style. Yeah. yeah. Kyle, how's everything? Fine. <laughs> <laughs> you lost me at graffiti hardcore. That's Ellie and I just go off. On like... <laughs> this is like the the third consecutive podcast in a row where Kyle has just allowed me to go off on tangents about hardcore, and it's great. Well, the last episode was the Scrams episode, and yes, you know yes. that is um, that is your corner. Would yeah, you say? I've been uh, been referred to as Scrams Queen. Yes. Um, yeah. I like that. Yeah. No, this is this is great. I feel like this episode's gonna be three hours long. This is gonna be awesome. <laughs> so I apologize if I if I derailed the conversation, but those will happen. If you guys are interested in those weird random stories, I'll totally I'll totally tell them. That's no, great. Kyle's gonna try and keep a focus, but I'm tangent city, so <laughs> Alright, so like we do on every episode, we kind of talk about what, what we've been listening to in the past week or since last show. So let's kind of squeeze that in here, and then we'll kind of go off from there. Uh, but does anyone want to go first here? Uh, sure. Okay, cool. so less less emo than usual. Um, I've listened to a lot of like more modern hardcore, like uh, Eco Strike and Malice at the Palace and stuff like that. Um, however, there is uh, there is one emo band that you know i always forget about them uh they're from they're from delaware uh they put out like one seven inch and a demo and i believe like most of the most of the copies of the demo were thrown away by one of the members moms because they just weren't sold uh eldritch aniset um Mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh really great band like along the lines of like pogo and the penny curvers and stuff like that the last song on that seven inch the the six minute one that i'm forgetting the name of is just like absolutely monstrous like it's so huge and like is like the definition to me of like what emo is it's like kind of lying in between uh the more like emotive hardcore stuff and the more midwesty stuff and i like highly recommend everyone check them out and then aside from that i've been listening to a lot of designing a nervous breakdown by the anniversary and I have also been listening to the that debut, the self-titled debut by Third Eye Blind, which, mm-hmm. in my in my opinion, that's like an emo pop record. That's like like a lot of the a lot of the more sparkle punk bands today. I think are like essentially ripping off the first Third Eye Blind album. I can see a little bit of that. No, like listen to like Thanks a Lot or I even graduate with those like gang vocals. Like I I totally I totally hear it. I don't know if I'm I'm just crazy here, but. I had a, I had a uh, three hour conversation or two and a half hour conversation with Steven Jenkins for Noisy, and we we had to rank his records. And I got him to talk about emo a little bit. Oh, that's great! What did he say? He kind of remembers some of the bands, but then I also could kind of tell that he was trying to not talk about it. So it was interesting. I think he knew some and toured with a bunch of the bands, but wasn't totally aware. 
right 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 back back then it they sort of slid into that like this like power pop pop rock sort of thing especially when they released like blue and they stopped really being like uh the this sort of like edgy bohemian band which they definitely mm-hmm. were like in the in the beginning i i really i really feel like their songwriting is super underrated because it's just solid front to back great great verses great choruses like amazing hooks and they have like this this great wall of sound guitar like uh on the on like the first album there are 10 layers of guitar and three layers of bass Mm-hmm. And the bassist is playing like an eight string. Yeah. Like it's so good. It's so good. And they play in fucked up tunings too. Yeah. This is uh this is now the Third Eye Blind podcast. This is all we're gonna talk about for the next like <laughs> ten episodes. <laughs> um I'm trying to get my band to cover jumper, but they won't. <laughs> I'm like, got guys, it. you got you got that choice. We can either cover jumper or we can cover uh, Bound for the Floor by Local H, and they're like, you're fucking out, out of the band. <laughs> I got kicked out of a band for um, telling the guy to stop writing Third Eye Blind riffs, and it was pretty funny, because he wouldn't, like, I wanted to play, like, slow, depressing, like, instrumental, like, and he wanted to, like, it was just not working, and I, I made a comment of just, like, enough of these fucking Third Eye Blind songs. Later that night, I got an email. Um <laughs> <laughs> this is totally recent too this isn't like 10 years ago so other than that how's your week been tom i know i see i love third eye blonde i just didn't want to fucking play it so yeah it's like, enough with this can we can we get a little can we get a little you know weird right now no all right all right so what have, what have you been listening to tom oh me uh i would say the latest bliss record kids from oh. atlanta they're really nice uh the toy cars band from new jersey uh the new tiny moving parts yeah uh, we uh, uh me and matt from darkle just fucking went in on the new tiny moving parts so i appreciate that you like it but like don't go back and listen to the episode we did with matt because we just savaged them so i'm sorry i'm uh, sorry dylan oh <laughs> uh, dylan was just on dylan was just on my podcast we i just interviewed him last week and then the hurry record uh, Matt Scottaline from Everyone Everywhere, his his new record for her, and then for work, uh, I'm working on some stuff with Death Cab for Cutie. So I've been revisiting uh, the Narrow Stairs era uh, and doing a lot of stuff around that. So I've been kind of obsessed with that era of them. Death Cab are one of those bands where like any era that you select, you can just deep dive, right? Because I feel like their their lyrics are incredibly dense. And the, the melodicism is so unique as you go from each stage of their career. And like, I've never I've never met Ben, so I haven't uh, had a, had a chance to like talk to him. But like I, I specific I also specifically remember like right after uh, him and Zoe Deschanel broke up, I was thinking like, oh, the next Death Cab record's gonna be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> possible all right coming off of that scrams episode i left with a lot of homework i've been listening to jerome's dream quite a bit nice um doing like my homework and my research i believe people refer to it as um the muppet era and the uh, loudspeaker (laughs) era (laughs) are you too familiar with this yeah i've heard it the bird screech era and then the megaphone era but um no, I totally know what you're talking about. I I like both eras equally. Yeah. Oh, personally. Uh, 
I think I was a little more Muppet than a loudspeaker, but they're both good in their own way. I mean, the songwriting on Presence is like some of their some of their best. Super dynamic, a lot more like post-hardcore influence. It's like right up there with like later era Neil Perry, in my opinion. But. Mm-hmm. So I really like Jerome's Dream. Um, I also kind of fell for Hot Cross. As you should. Which, uh, did you listen to Risk Revival? Because I think that's the only one on Spotify. Yeah, that's the one I got from Spotify. And then um, just YouTube playlist stuff uh, put together the other LP. I worked that record. Really? Because oh, Equal Vision, yeah, I was right? A, I was a, yeah, I was at EVR for uh, three and a half, four years. And that was one of the records. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's a great record. It's a lot more accessible than the earlier stuff. My favorite Hot Cross is probably like their split with Lick Golden Sky. No, what 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 part what part of the recording process were you like a part of? So I was the at EVR. I was the head of marketing. So at an indie label with six or seven people, you kind of do five jobs. So I was doing marketing, tour marketing, radio, video. I did all the licensing, right? Uh, tour marketing. So it was kind of we were all in the same room doing everything. Yeah, no, because I was I was like going to say if you were part of like the actual recording process, I think the guitar sound on that album is like tremendous, like it's so it's so all encompassing and crushing. Yeah, because how long were you with Equal Vision? That was like that's like a focal point of your career, I think, just from from following you for like the seven or so years that I have been. Um, yeah, I think it was a it, it was definitely because Equal Vision I grew up obsessed with because I loved this band Shift and I started doing their website in college and their her, the drummer Samantha her grandparents found the website because she didn't wasn't on the internet. Her grandparents found it, told her she emailed me from her grandparents email to my college email thanking me. We ended up meeting up at a later show. I gave the most awkward 45-minute interview with them ever. Uh, no one will, no one will ever hear this. I digitized it and pretty much like put it under a lock. I was like, no one's going to hear this. And then years later, uh, when I was about to graduate, she helped me get my first job, um, which was kind of cool. But while I was at college, the uh, intern for Earache Records, I was the metal director at the college radio station. So not only did I do a hardcore show, but I programmed all the metal uh, for the radio station. And so one of the interns was this guy, Dan. And years later, Dan and I became friends. Years later, he was the GM of Equal Vision. And when I left, I was at another job and he's like, hey, do you want to come run marketing? I was like, oh, wait a minute. Come run marketing at my favorite label ever? Yes. Uh, so I left New York City and moved upstate, um, and it was an awesome time. I mean, that was Circus Survive time, Chiodos, Fall of Troy, yeah. Armor for oh, Sleep. Wow. Like I, two years of my life was spent on Armor for Sleep. There's some crazy stories with those bands of like getting things like the Fall of Troy, like getting that song on Guitar Hero Three. That's a crazy story, which like, um, changed but, their career. Yeah, and I got a lot of shit for it when when I, when I did it. Wow, um, oh, cannot. I, I have a question real quick about about Fall of Troy because I've heard this a lot and I really want it to be true. Is it true that Thomas's favorite band is City of Caterpillar? Oh, you know what? I don't know. You want me to ask him? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, I'll ask him. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> he. It was funny. He uh, he knew his entry for Is This Band Emo? And he like found me at South by Southwest. It was really funny. <laughs> he was like... <laughs> It's like, I saw my entry. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the fall of Troy, that was a crazy time. And uh, some amazing 
records you know at that time and that was when like steven's on title rock show was happening and oh yeah played videos um i used to get my own meeting at mtv because of how many records we had how many uh videos we had jeez that's awesome jesus Christ, i would Tom. yeah i would like take the train down and like pitch and i had these like color copies of like the all of these like stats you know because that was before like a lot of people were doing you know these sort of analytics and i would show them i'm like hey my band has more pure volume plays and more myspace friends than the bands you're playing right now you should play mine and they'd be like oh man you're right um and that's kind of how armor got on mtv2 um one of those meetings and yeah it's, it was nuts it felt like i don't know i still feel like a kid when i go to those kind of giant companies but as like a you know in my 20s like going to this giant company and pitching like punk rock it was <laughs> it was pretty crazy <laughs> that's like the most that's the most punk rock thing like i can think of though is like going to mtv and saying hey my music's better play it you know yeah yeah and i mean the 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 follow troy guitar hero three story is kind of nuts um because of the like i i didn't know that it was going to be as big as it was like i didn't think millions of people were going to buy plastic guitars with five buttons on it but i knew that guitar hero 2 was kind of popular and so i was like this could be a really good exposure and that song fcp remix is like perfect for the game so i had met one of the people at a cmj which you know is not anymore but Mm -hmm. uh i met him at a panel and i just went up to him and i was like hey and all these people were throwing records at him and i was like he's never gonna pay attention to me i'm screwed like no tom just go up and do it you idiot so i just went up i gave my business card and i was like hey i work at equal vision we might have some records i don't know and he was like i love hardcore uh of course i'm going to email you let's stay in touch so i was like holy shit there we go hardcore you know you just got to find a kid in hardcore and you're fine and we ended up staying in touch and i as soon as I found out about the game, I emailed him and I was like, hey, I got this song. And he's like, hey, man, I'd love to, but the game is finished. There's no way we can add it. I was like, what? I was like, let me overnight you the song. I didn't even, it wasn't even possible to email it then. Like, I don't even think email was that like advanced. So I had to, I had to overnight him a song to California. And I don't know why, but I said, I go, you're going to call me in the morning and you're going to tell me it's in the game. And he was like, whatever. I was that <laughs> confident about FCP Remix. So he gets it. He calls me at noon because it's like 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. I pick it up. He's like, all right, it's in the game. And I was like, I told you. I told you. And he goes, one problem. I was like, what? He's like, we're out of money. We can't play because, you know, they pay uh, Sync and Master. You know, the Sync would be the band and then Master is whoever owns it, most likely the label. I said, shit. Now I have to go convince the product manager of the record and my boss that we need to give a video game that's going to sell millions of copies a free song. So I got in a giant argument and I was like, this is going to be the biggest game. Like you have to do it. I got so much crap. I got in the game, but I got so much crap for years and years and years. And slowly, you know, uh, you know, over the years, people, they kind of said like, yeah, the streams were kind of crazy and you know, the iTunes yeah. numbers were saving us. So it was kind of a cool ending, but it was kind of like everyone in the company being like, what the hell are you doing? And this was before that game was like everywhere. So anyway, long story short, go with your gut. <laughs> yeah, that's their most popular song now. So I, I really think exactly. that's yeah. the correct decision. 
I yeah, love that. No. I love that thing you said. All you got to do is find a hardcore kid, and you'll be fine. Because I, uh, I think Mike Mowry once said, "Behind every successful business is a hardcore kid," and this is like held true. Like every single job I've ever had, like I found a hardcore kid. That's how I. That's like either how I got the job or how I survived having the job. You know. Oh yeah, a- Aaron from the Almost and the Under Oath came into my office at a previous label, and he just walked in. He looked, and I had like a coheed thing and like sunny day and all this stuff, and he was like. You're not like the others, are you? <laughs> I said, no, Aaron. No, I'm not. And he's like, he's like, that's good. And then he walked out. Oh my God. <laughs> I, my first promotion I ever got is because my uh, one of my supervisors, we were, we were just chatting about music, and he discovered that we were both at the same Touche Amore show in which my best friend fractured his wrist punching a fluorescent light. Uh, it was in like a taco shop. It was called Yeo's Tacos. He was like, "Oh yeah, you were." And then we we started talking more, and he was like, "All right, I'm giving you I'm giving you a raise." So I was like, "Okay, cool." I like <laughs> that's, that. Yeah, that's the that's the first promotion I ever got in my life. That was like back in 2013, 2014. I'm young. Sorry, I know I know I probably don't seem as young. Have you guys talked to Andrew Satcher from Brooklyn Vegan? Before? No, not yet. No. When I've ever I've talked when Andrew has this crazy uh memory and knowledge and it's like i mean it blows mine away it blows my knowledge away of stuff but like it's crazy like and he's your age so you know it doesn't matter your age i'm 21 yeah it doesn't matter your age you gotta just you just gotta learn it yeah no we were taught we were talking about this last episode but i got into scrams or screamo when i was like nine or ten because my my cousin got me into like hardcore punk and so i don't know what the search engine was back then like dog pile ask jeeves whatever and uh, just searching for hardcore punk and i found the cross my heart with a knife forum and like the re- the rest is totally history and i i really do love that you know we're coming up in a time where if you if you love a band all you got to do is google them and find their influences and you have like access to this whole rich history and lineage i am so jealous of the kids who are younger than me because they have the capacity to become vastly more knowledgeable than I ever could. All right. Should we address the whole uh, Reddit relationship with you, Tom? Yeah, I really feel like that's a, that's something because like, this is something uh, I've been, I've been guilty of too. I think like I was in a, I was in a thread and somebody was asking, uh, Hey, is say anything emo. I don't think they're emo. And then somebody linked is this band emo.com. And I was like, yeah, say anything is emo, but I don't like this website. You were you were in the thread, Tom. You were like in the fucking thread. Your username was in there, and I felt like a total like dumbass for. Was it was it was it the Tom Wellen one? Yeah, yeah. It's funny that that someone tries to like reset that password like every six months. There must be a really pissed Irishman <laughs> that wants my name. Um, but yeah, no, I totally remember that thread, and I think it just I think sometimes the site is a joke and serious at the same time and sometimes people (laughs) it's like it's not it's like someone i always get an email someone goes uh could you email me uh the list of bands that are not i'm just you know just need to know i'm like it's not it's not that it's things get changed you know uh, up things get updated anyway but yeah i think the if you if we're getting back to the kind of the reddit thing like i think there's sometimes where I go somewhere and I think it's like a safe place and I start talking about stuff and then I see someone like, you know, F that guy. He doesn't know anything. Like he just showed up yesterday. It's like, 
I don't know about that, but I'm not going to start a fight on the internet. And this doesn't seem like a place where people want to talk about music. They just want to say things suck. So I kind of like bowed out for a little bit. I remember going to, cause I'm on, I've been on Reddit for a super long time. You know, was actually buddies with Victoria from Reddit. If you guys know her, uh, that whole f- crazy shit. That, um, that whole fiasco. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, the, and the Reddit community still has no idea what actually happened. <laughs> it's Yeah, I was pretty close to her and it was still kind of nuts. But so I was doing a ton of stuff with her with AMAs. I love, I love Reddit. Like I'm on it every night, like checking on stuff. Like, but I think for some reason it just felt like that spot where there was those you guys probably had another view, but it just seemed like, why am I going to get attacked? Why am I going to go somewhere that I'm just going to get attacked rather than I want to find out about bands and meet people? Yeah. So I can't, I can't speak to the, to the vast majority of the sub because I think the reasons that I, I personally have expressed issues and like, don't get me wrong. Obviously like washed up email itself is a huge influence on this podcast. And, you know, I, I remember I emailed you, back when I first started uh, my website, You Don't Need Maps, and you gave me like some really, really positive encouragement, and I, I appreciated that a lot. Um, and I feel, but I feel like the, the vast majority of the sub just like doesn't quite understand why there, why there is this like hate jerk around you, and so they just kind of like join into the hive mind. And I, I said before, like, is this we've talked on the podcast i think about how is this band emo like they don't you guys don't consider hot water music emo i think that i think that was a sticking point for uh for lauren um i i also with when your book came out i like directly asked you too when you were promoting it on the sub like like hey the this is a really cool thing but i do sometimes wish that you'd talk more about uh the more hardcore oriented bands like still life and stuff because i i believe you did interview somebody from indian summer and like that that whole like jabberjaw and sinker group yeah and- you know it's hard it's it's hard to find those guys i just found one of the guys from um who's gonna be on and a few other people kind of like have emailed me and actually in the last couple of weeks about people from that sort of deeper kind of uh era um and especially women um, because right. I feel like that's underrepresented. Um, For sure. Dahlia, mm-hmm. da, uh, the woman from Dahlia Seed, I'm forgetting her name. But so it's like kind of, you know, it is uh, it is interesting to kind of that era, that time period. It's 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 almost like it kind of, you know how it goes in years of like what people forget? Yeah. It's, it's like that part is a really serious moment because it's going to get lost really soon because A, it wasn't documented. It's probably not on streaming services and those labels are pretty much all gone. I have a thing on the the subreddit. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's like the, the emo history lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My longest one is about what I, I like to call the basement emo scene. Like that's that's my scene is stuff like native nod navio forge that's like the stuff that i'm super most into when it comes to emo because it's the it's the most related to, to hardcore in my mind you it's, know, you know well, i'm sorry i was just gonna interrupt. It's, it's so yeah. it's crazy because it's like it's hard to i probably love that era the most um just because of how close it is to what i think emo is um, yes and what exactly and that's why i love but then I have, you know, there's new things that I need to cover or there's like, you know, the really popular era. There's the 90s. There's the early 2000s. Like, it's almost like I it's like it's like when I'm DJing, I'm trying to make everybody happy. 
and I'm able to kind of play old school and new school and the popular stuff and the punk thing that kind of connects to it. You're kind of all kind of making like a soup of everything and you hope that people are enjoying it and listening to something else. And I, you know, as I was saying earlier about Patreon, if people want to support the Patreon so I can just focus on um, making sure that that 90s and like super late 80s era is remembered, I'm all about it. It's, it is interesting how each year that passes, like it's almost like harder and harder to find out about it, even when we have the internet. I've said that I think like there's like this huge blank spot in people's minds. They're like, oh, there was Rights of Spring. And then they skip straight to Sunny Day Real Estate as if there was no heroin or seven story mountain or don martin three or like any Mm -hmm. of that stuff you you know i i'm not going to put the the blame squarely on like people like you or andy greenwald because you guys are just covering you know the stuff that you want to cover and the stuff that you're supposed to cover like you're not you're not doing anything necessarily wrong but i i really would want more people to get into like that super early 90s sound like if the sub all of a sudden like tomorrow turned into a big still life circle jerk i would be so happy <laughs> but that's just not it's it's just not going to happen because everyone is more into the midwest stuff and the and the emo pop stuff no i was just going to say i totally it's interesting when i'm we were a bit, uh next month is our seventh year of djing uh every oh, month geez. in new york city so seven years we can get into the DJ night stuff if you'd like. There's some insane things with lawyers and expensive. Did you know lawyers are expensive <coughs> and lawsuits I, are expensive? I, They're very expensive. Uh, I, I might have gathered that, but <laughs> <laughs> one of them's public, one of them's not. Hopefully, I can talk about the the latter one um, at some point when it's done. But the DJ thing, we noticed that over the years, we would notice that like the fan, like Coheed's a perfect example. For those first few years, it was every kid's asking for second stage and in keeping. Yeah. And then years later, this girl would come up and say, I want some old Coheed. I'm like, oh, sick. What do you, what do you, what are you feeling? You feeling some second stage? You guys want some welcome home? What, what do you think? She's like, I want some 09 Coheed. And so for her, Coheed started in 09 or that's when right. she got into him which don't fault that she likes Coheed she doesn't listen to Justin Bieber you know she's lit like except that that's awesome but then to notice that those kind of things transition and years like people are kind of so it's harder and harder for me to tell someone to get into frail or still life yeah. uh, or policy of three when it's almost like you, there's different things to kind of do around that and I hope and of course people get older they have kids they stop uh you know kind of paying attention and that kind of happens and that's going to happen to every era but it is that time period that you mentioned is so interesting to me because it's almost lost like every like you have to go to the wayback machine to find their websites yep 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 and like i hope that i hope this didn't come off as me attacking you um, no, like, the site I, is stupid. Is this band emo for anyone listening is the stupidest site I've ever come up with. It is also the funniest site that I've ever come up with. And the most press we crashed the site on the first day. It's my chance. Like all of these jokes are mine. The council, <laughs> the council is fake. Like it's just a joke. <laughs> the whole thing I do have, there's about 10 people that I refer to to help with some of these, but it came out of my joke of saying there's a council. So it's just, it's fun 
fun and I am sure people get miffed about it. But I think overall, honestly, the jab was just for people that put in my chemical romance and Fall Out Boy. I just wanted them to get pissed off. That's all I wanted. <laughs> that was my goal. And Jason Tate from Alt Press, because I got really pissed off uh, when it came out. Like it was it was fun. Yes, it's turned into kind of its own little thing, but I do hope that people understand that it is like joke and a serious at the same time. Yeah. I, yeah, I understand that. I just felt like it was important for me to like to like address the the issues that I brought up publicly, so people don't comment saying, "Oh, Ellie, why didn't you bring up your fucking problems? You why'd you just dick why'd you just, why'd you just dick ride Tom the whole time?" <laughs> I've got two questions here with this whole dead zone of emo. Say if Native Nod and Still Life and all these bands are kind of made more readily available on the internet and stuff. Um, do you think Native Nod's pretty available? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. probably like the most available of them all. I think they're on Spotify and all that. But like, say all these bands are now like available and kind of like more well known. Do you think people are going to be into it though? Like, because a lot of people think that American football is where emo starts, and that kind of makes sense because they're melodic and it's uh, the least offensive of basically emo and stuff. I it's, I think it all kind of goes back to that sort of pop thing. Like I have an interview with Buddy from Senses Fail, which is great. He was actually honest about that time period, that like 2000s and like how they sort of saw what was happening and mm-hmm. added pop. And I don't know if Native Nod and putting up all those records is, are there going to be new people? Yeah, I think the hardcore kids. I think kids yeah. that are into punk and yeah. thrash, but I don't think we're going to get that pop kid that's going to the pop punk nights. I don't think we're going to get that person. I want the kid that's still going to the record store, that's putting on a basement show that we all probably don't know that's happening, that's probably cooler than all of us. Like, I want that kid <laughs> to get into it, to get into those kind of bands. And I think that's when... And that's what happened when I heard about the revival. I got so excited because I was like, wait a minute. Someone understands, you know, there's like other kids doing punk and like underground shows and they're just making noise. This is going to be good. Uh, So I don't know. I'm very uh, happy to think that it kind of there was a cycle, but I don't know if we're going to get a bunch of kids to get into Native Nod after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. And I have two things that I want to that I want to bring up here before you get to your next question, Kyle. First of all, about American football, if I can (laughs) talk about them at length again, uh, I got to I got to I got to come clean on the the real reason that I I I have like the supposed because I don't dislike American football. But the reason I come off like I have this distaste for American football is because like I, I dated a girl who has three American football tattoos. (laughs) <laughs> wow. and, and yeah i i've i've heard so so much american football and i i have to i have to come clean with our audience about the fact that i've just heard them too fucking much um, have you heard did you hear when i the, have you heard the story i told about when i got the record at the radio station yeah and you like no. shelved it i put it on the shelf i go cool <laughs> i was like this never meant songs pretty jamming <laughs> and I was like, can I just go back to playing the promise ring and braid? And like, I, it wasn't this, like, you know, the new Justin Bieber single drops and everyone loses their pants. Like it's like, or loses their mind. Uh, it's like the, the song, the record came out and it happened. And I, I don't know what happened. Like either people were trading it and they thought this was like the apex. Like it wasn't, it was, they played 12 shows as a band when they were first around so to think that 
it was anything but this like little blip. It was completely, I remember putting it on the shelf. You know, when you have like weird memories like that kind of stick yeah. up. I literally have the memory of being like, oh, it's got one or two songs, I guess, whatever. You know, I love uh, Mike's awesome, but like I just put it on the shelf and I listened to other things a lot more. Years later, someone telling me like, that's what everyone's obsessed about. It really surprised me and I still don't get it. And I, hot take, ready for the hot take from me? The second record is better than <laughs> their first. Their their last record is amazing. And I love that they played it front to back when I saw them. That was fantastic. It, it's like that band should not be one song. I think all of them together, uh, you know, Nate being awesome uh, d- with the Nate Kinsella, you know, jamming on them live. Like, I don't know. I just, uh, I, the, my uh, favorite. Everyone, it, it's one. F- they had one song. That, here, here's the hint. All you need is one song. And you're fine. I mean, my favorite American football material is the EP that they did. The EP is fantastic. Yeah, it's stellar. It's like the height of Jasmine emo, you know. But um, you're totally right that all you need is like the one song that all the kids reblog, you know. And that's that's definitely never meant. Um, there's also like that that Skylar Spence remix of I think the summer ends. It's really it's good. funny. I posted that I was going to be on your podcast, and he uh, he liked the tweet. I hadn't, I hadn't heard from him in a while. <laughs> Skyler liked it. And then the second thing I wanted to bring up is, like, I feel like it's really overlooked, and I, I really do want to come back to this later, how overlooked it is that the, the pop emo definitely did actually come from hardcore. Totally. Like, like Fall Out Boy, obviously everyone knows that the, all those kids were in like Race Trader and Vegan Reich and Arma Angelus and whatnot. A- again, we'll come back to that later after Kyle asks uh, his next question. But <laughs> I, I'm so I'm sorry. <laughs> I also have is this band emo open? If there's any questions, um, uh, so we can get the definitive. Yeah. So, no, it's just my dumb <laughs> fucking joke that I put in here. My Sorry, Kyle. yeah no my next question is about is this band emo and I was kind of wondering like how often do you add bands to it like is it when so and so band starts to blow up or you see their name like do you add it to it or is it just kind of like a every like quarter of the year kind of thing it's all the time okay. I spent about six months updating it probably putting a list together and coming up with jokes and trying to figure out what would be funny or weird and then putting in like Easter eggs. I spent another like super amount of time. Like there's a ton of Easter eggs in here, like band members, names, states, cities. Uh, someone found my name. Someone put my name in. There's an answer. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, there's not just bands, which is, yeah. which is fun, but I do it all the time. I search someone will come Cohen. to the office. <laughs> oh, what did? Oh, is is he in there? What did I put? I forgot, I but I like tweeted it from our from the eWord account. Oh yes, so he, I think either I did or somebody else talked shit about him. Oh, because he gave fucking something to our home about like two or whatever. Like Pitchfork was giving all those email bands. Like Ian didn't those... do that. That was Pitchfork. Before. But I'm saying like whatever the whatever the record was. I remember it was something about like a bad score, and I think I. I think I, I I probably got mad. <laughs> I I mean we've, that's, we've met that's and hung out. We're fine. That's something to write home about. Review is like scrubbed from the site. By the way, you have to go to the Wayback Machine to see it because oh, no, no. Wants, like no one at Pitchfork wants people to know that they totally hated all that. All that Ian stuff knows that whenever he blows an emo band on Pitchfork, I post that with the something right home about review <laughs> 2.0, and I go, who do you want to believe? Amazing. 
So yes, it is a constant thing that I update and I actually have a lot of friends that help. Someone will tell me about a band or they'll mention something and you know, we'll talk about it and discuss and um, things have gone back and forth a hundred times and it's kind of fun to, you know, mess around and, you know, someone will check something one day uh, and it'll be different the next day. Um, okay. The funnest thing was when we, we took that, we took a building and a friend photoshopped that that was like our location, the email council <laughs> location. And we put like, uh, it's like a laundromat, but we photoshopped it. So it has a thing where it says pop punk access $1, which I thought <laughs> I fucking died when they, when they sent me that, I was like, Oh my God, it's the best day ever. Um, but yeah. And that was also weird when this launched, I had like my bosses asking me, they're like, Hey, your sites in my Facebook feed. <laughs> <laughs> your no effects entry is amazing too by the way oh i forgot that one okay. what did i write this is like oh, first it's... grade homework when you're in fourth grade the problem you just got the <laughs> test wrong thinking no effects was emo fat mike is probably already looking to punch you out <laughs> i also like one of my favorites is uh nickelback and coldplay when, when people find uh coldplay have you guys heard that one uh, I have not, no. Do you want me to read it out loud real quick? It's funny. Yes, yes. I think it's funny. All right. They're not an emo band. Uh, when they look back on this Earth's history as another race is using our dead bodies for their spaceships and electric razors, they will find Coldplay's discography. The race will quickly realize we're not, which we're not capable of understanding right now in this time and space, that without question, they sold their soul to the devil to write those hooks. <laughs> Have you seen that? Have you seen that video where the it's Coldplay doing "Yellow" and that part where Chris Martin does like that that high moan? It's intercut with like a turtle wheezing. Oh, that's great! That's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. It's amazing. I like the band. I have no problem. I've seen them live. Um, your mom likes it. Like it's fine. Um, but yeah, I just think they sold their soul. I believe it. <laughs> I'm glad, you guys like it. I'm glad you guys are having fun with this like this is what it's about it's not about like arguing or whatever like it's like okay that was funny or i'm gonna go listen to them like even if they're not like go listen to the record yeah this is still like the most professional podcast we've ever done <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad wow. i'm trying to keep it on track nickelback nickelback what's the nickelback entry because it is i it was, oh yeah it says canadian and it's a gif of a guy rifling through his bag and has weed and guns and then a nickelback cd and he's like oh my god <laughs> Pretty cool. uh, have you ever played how you remind me and someday at the same time the chorus hits at the same moment well no everything about it is exactly the same oh like, yes yes you're right you're right the chord progression and the vocal melody it's all the exact same song and I mean, wow. props to Nickelback for managing to turn that into like a 20-year career or whatever they've done. One song, guys. <laughs> One song. All right. What do we pivot to next? I was just going to maybe maybe sum up the Reddit part where I think I, I think I like the community. I just think sometimes when people don't understand the full story, and I think that's hard. That's hard to know that if someone's commenting or they only see is this band emo or they only see something that you guys wrote on your site once and they don't see the whole history, it's hard to understand. And I don't I don't expect anyone to give me anything. Like I want someone to challenge me. I like when someone says, Have you heard this? I love saying, I haven't. Tell me about them. 
where did they come from? Like, did someone just sent me the history of Australian emo, um, which oh, I don't know. Great. So I don't know anything about that. That's a that's the other side of the world. But there could be like a band that could have been influenced, or maybe I don't know. Like it. So I'm never that. Just like I've some people kind of like oh well like a know it all. You know everything. I definitely don't know any everything. I've written. I'm taking notes right now. There's bands that you've mentioned and things that I'm gonna look up later because I want to you know learn about it, find out about it. This that's the whole point about this. There's so many different pieces to the emo thing and. Right now, if you ask nine out of ten people on the street, they're going to say eyeshadow, black hair, uh, you know, and tight pants. And I hope when I'm gone, maybe five out of ten people will do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I hope is I, I hope that people associate Midwest emo with tight hair. And, sorry, tight pants and black hair and nail polish and whatnot. That's what that's what I hope. I hope the scene just converges into this this big bloopy mess where scene is indistinguishable from from the real stuff yeah in Kinsella we trust boys <laughs> <laughs> uh i i was going to ask because i have like two pet genres that i really love talking about with guests uh one is sass which i'm like 99 percent certain that you're on board with the the whole sass thing no uh, idea correct. no idea oh oh really what's sass okay sass is those bands like a uh, plot to blow up the Eiffel Tower and okay. uh, and the Blood Brothers and Red Light Sting bands that like took screamo and made it like dancey and keyboard infused and like hi hat shuffles and broken really side. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> broken broken side are the spiritual successors to to sass. Yes, there is uh, a there's a photo of me at Bamboozle West with two middle fingers um, at the broken side merch table. And I tried to stay there as long as I could um, until they told me to go away. Uh, here's the thing about Broken Side is that they're actually really pleasant people to talk to. I'm sure Nickelback are pleasant too. Come on, guys, we're talking about media. <laughs> no, Nickelback are terrible. My my freshman year, my Bad freshman example. year biology teacher, my freshman year biology teacher is paralyzed from the waist down because he crashed into Nickelback's tour bus. Way back wow, what? Yeah. Uh, and they were total assholes about it, according to him. Do you do you ask him to remind you about it? <laughs> um, Got it. So yeah. sass, that stuff, yeah. I get it. Yeah, and then uh, the other one is I'm not I'm not sure if you've heard of this because it's really just a thing that like 85 people at most give a shit about. But sparkle punk, have you heard that word? No. No. Okay. Neither has uh, Ian Cohen. Ian Cohen is on board with it. I tweeted it at him. <laughs> Because <laughs> he called it party emo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wait a minute. Wait a minute. If oh, Jesus Christ, if the party emo stuff, like that's of course that's what happened in 2008. Yeah. So it's it's everything's happening ten years later. Like everything, like so it. it I get that. Why to say it? And I think the spark, sparkle punk thing is funny. I just I think like of of course that's what's gonna happen. And I, the re, I came up with the the word specifically to like make people really mad because it's su such a dumb name. Like I, I actually I, like the name. Yeah, I like I like it too. I think it has a ring to it, but it's still like dumb. Like I got so much shit for talking about it in the in the subreddit. I think I like to think of myself as like a spiritual successor to like stuff you will hate that website. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, I love uh, stuff you will hate. Oh, R.I.P. Stuff you will hate. I still talk to Finn like all the time like stuff you will hate is like such a huge influence on me and like the way i write 
And I, I really miss them because they had such a uniquely irreverent take on everything that was going on in the quote unquote youth music culture. And I, I loved that they would like actually confront the fact that things are better now than they were before. And being into music now is better than it, than it was before. Now that the barrier of entry is so much lower, Mm -hmm. but yeah, no, that were you, were you like ever friends with the, with the people who ran stuff you will hate or were you just like, yeah. So Finn and I, if I'm remembering this correctly and I might be wrong, we had a short lived Tumblr called hardcore breakdowns (laughs) and all it was, was you posted a song and you told them when the breakdown was. Cause that's oh, all that matters. <laughs> so you would uh, say like snap case, you know, caboose and you would say a minute 20 yeah, and then yeah. that, but that, that's all the Tumblr was. Uh, what's, what's your favorite breakdown of all time, Tom? So in college I did a breakdown of the year show every year for the hardcore show. So we would break down all the breakdowns and do it like a top 30. Probably one of my favorites is probably Caven's. Uh, juggernaut because it breaks yeah. down twice not yeah, just once the meta breakdown i yeah. hate breed does that too and uh in as die hard breeds a little more like walmart you know it's a little bit easier on the ears yeah it's more the you know the west elm rest you know a little bit a little bit nicer you're gonna have to hang out a minute before you get it um but yeah i hate breed does it um but i think that cave in juggernaut was probably my favorite yeah my favorite of all time is uh unbroken's absentee debate that's um, a good one. Yeah, that because that one is like literally over half of the song. It just it just comes in. It just slams like this super heavy riff for like a whole minute and forty five seconds, and it it's great all the way through. Two old school ones. I'd say it's uh, Sleepy Time Trio, Rock Candy. Um, I was just it, listening to Sleepy Time Trio. Shit, yeah, they were fantastic live. Unbelievable, kind of that like chaotic thing, and then Frail. Um, which I love to always mention. I think their discography is worth anyone's time. Uh, they've got some great ones <laughs> on there. I'm, I'm laughing because uh, we've talked on the show about my beef with Frail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? No, I just I I like Frail a lot, but I think like they're the most ridiculous apex of everything that was going on in emo at the time. Like, what do you because- mean? You weren't around. <laughs> I wasn't How do you around. know this? You weren't around. You were. You were like. Were, you were still in your dad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I've, I've seen. I've seen the YouTube videos. That makes me an authority, doesn't it? <laughs> You're funny. I love that, <laughs> dude. I saw. I saw a YouTube video of Nirvana. I totally saw. No, yeah. I'm kidding. Honestly, like it was. They were pretty legit, man. No, like I, I like the Don DeVore went on to do some great stuff too with Ink and Dagger. Like I, I like them just fine. I just think they're like hilarious. They're like ridiculous. Um, How is they and... ridiculous? They're actually like pouring out their soul. <laughs> you mean not being ironic? What's more ridiculous than that? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. Do you know the Do you know the guy who runs uh, Abandoned Seven Inches? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's. The, he has this line like uh, in the 90s uh, frail jokes were like the absolute bottom of the barrel when it came to hardcore jokes like such low hanging fruit really <laughs> and, I never yeah. I never heard those like jokes like is that just kids in Philly like did, where where I, did that stem from 
it had it had it had to have been a Philly thing. It might just be like my personal bias from the way I got into the music because everyone Maybe. everyone who got me into it hated Frail. <laughs> Where were they from? Like, were they from the West Coast, East Coast? Do you know? Uh, I, Finn was actually like one of the, one of the people who who got me into it, and he's he's from Snohomish in in Washington, and he's also from uh he lived in Cleveland for a while, but uh I'm sorry, um, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah no, it's just interesting. I never had heard that sort of. I mean, I remember like jokes about other bands and them being like the butt of a lot of jokes. Rent Not- America, the Worms, uh, Ozma. Uh, <laughs> Juliana theory, you know that was always a joke, um, but I don't, but yeah. but I don't remember uh, uh, Frail being one. But yeah, I think um, I don't know. I still think people should check them out. No, I'm not. I'm not saying don't listen to Frail. They're a good band. <laughs> they were just a butt of a joke by ten people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it happened so at clearly, all. <laughs> clearly, I, I look upon them with derision. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. So to circle back around to the to the emo pop hardcore connection, I've always liked to say you might you might give me huge amounts of shit for this, Tom. I don't know, but uh, okay. like I I've always liked to say I think the first My Chemical Romance album just sounds like a you and I record with pop hooks and good production. Like all those bands were coming from the hardcore. It saves the day too, obviously, and I think I think that's something that's like really overlooked now because people look back on that as kind of like the hair metal of emo when I don't, I don't think that's true at all. I think these bands were coming from uh, a legitimate place, not wanting to cash in. They came up DIY and organically. Um, I don't really understand. They knew. They so knew. Yeah. They okay. knew. So I, I, I think because being at the label side, but then also talking to so many bands from that era and it was crazy to watch how they they were they knew they said all we have to do is do this this and this everyone's getting signed we're going to sound like this we're going to look like this and don't fault them for that you know it, it's i wouldn't fault my chem for trying to look that ridiculous and make those songs and try to be as huge as they could but they knew like that moment like i had never seen more like there was a i think a private jet flew up to equal vision one day with a label and they were trying to buy the label and we were a hardcore label with bane you know like what are you talking about but that's what was happening i had the president of a label i worked for call me down and point at bands and ask me if i knew who they were and to find them and i was like what like this is crazy so i think I definitely use the hair metal phase just because it was so ridiculous. It, it became such a mock of what it was. And I think those first few bands through, but they, I think they made legitimate records that first, my chem record, uh, the first fallout boy. And, but I think that second and third records, they knew like, this is what we got to do. And right. yes, it could have been in their heart. Yes. It could have, you know, been what they really wanted to do, but they also knew they were, the hottest thing at the moment and i mean to talk to talk more about what we were talking about earlier what with the whole gateway thing i know alexis on fire they literally thank love lost but not forgotten in the liner notes for like their their first record and i think stuff like that is super important for a kid who their only source for music at the time was like 
MTV and Walmart. It's such a huge thing to to find these bands and get into them. And you're right in a sense that you know they knew this the, this is what we have to do to to keep selling records and maintain relevancy. But I think you know, like, I, what, isn't it on uh, Infinity on High that Pete Wentz like took a whole bunch of lyrics from West from American Nightmare? Oh right. Yeah. What ended up happening was they paid a whole bunch of royalties and Wes Eisfeld is in the liner notes for Infinity on High. And I think that that's like a, a huge way for kids to, to get into those bands, even if indirectly. Because um, he stole the lyrics? Yeah, because he stole the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is, it, but I think the, the, the amount of labels that were like running after bands and just like, all right, do they sound like this? Do they look like this? All right, sign them, figure it out, put out a video, make it so, do an EPK, you know, make one of those bonus DVDs. Like it was just like, it was nuts. I don't know. It was definitely overwhelming to kind of like see what happened from it. And obviously we're still feeling with the, the residual um, effects of it, but I'm not faulting the first records. Um, I'm faulting sort of the, you know, how ridiculous it got and, where how quickly it sort of turned from yeah. what it was and i mean you can still hear it even in like the super early records of the emo revival like uh you're aware of halfway to holland right mm-hmm. yeah the the pre-algernon band uh when you listen to like the that 2005 cdr that they did they have like straight up like four year strong-esque or newfound glory-esque like super light breakdowns like interspersed with, like the twinkly bits mm-hmm. and scrams parts because they're figuring it out, you know. Jimmy World's a punk band when they started. Yes. I think those are those like those moments where like I can't wait for the third or fourth. Like I couldn't wait for the third Hotelier record, you know. And like those like those bands that you knew were going to make amazing things, and you saw the beginnings of it. I just feel like a lot of those first records from that mid 2000s era it just got to that point where i couldn't tell the difference between them and no one was sort of making something different it was like how do we continue this sort of thing and it's almost like kind of warp tours done you know the alt press is kind of in trouble like it just yeah. like everyone hung on too long to that money train like to me the turning point was probably when saves the day did in reverie you know they were like growing their hair long talking about the beatles it it became it became very clear that bands were trying to distance themselves from the emo label at least the bands that that came up from the more organic scene they were trying to distance themselves from that label because they could see the the tide of cash in bands coming like they could see the all-time lows and the cash caches and the mayday parades coming i mean those bands literally went underground I couldn't I couldn't get them out to say anything and I wasn't even doing a site I was trying to just you know it was just more of like what I loved and I could, they would not come and speak you know and then that's still the case with the word there's still people that won't talk about it um, yeah. because of the detriment that that did <laughs> the hence the, the name the e-word yeah and then like the whole uh you you blew it thing where he was trying to he like kind of got put in this corner when he wanted to do things with like indie or bands and then people are just like putting him on emo and pop punk tours and that's also i think that's happened before we had a band on equal vision called the snake across the crown and yeah (laughs) so cotton teeth is probably one of my top 10 records of all time and it's amazing and you know it sounds like wilco and for us 
to work that record at that moment was hard because uh, we were on a hardcore la- he was not they were on a hardcore label and we were trying to ask to be on these tours and we couldn't get it and their booking agent and no fault to him I know him and we're friends and it's fine but at the moment he only knew punk and hardcore bands they're going on tour with all these bands that don't fit and that fan is obviously not connecting with snake because they sound like wilco and they don't sound poppy so that was a detriment to them so i think for tanner and i've spoken to him about this like that's where you know a label sometimes you know if if you're not on the right label in the right time it's all timing but if you're not on that right moment those things are going to happen Chris Leo was we did a panel for the book a couple weeks ago in Brooklyn and we talked about this in the in the podcast and we talked about it after just kind of like damned if you do damned if you don't like you're remembered for being emo but then you're also like screwed uh kind of at the same time I have a I have an article I did a real stupid article called uh what kind of emo dork are you and I had like a special section for like basement emo bands everyone had like a personalized picture with a caption and for that one, it was a, a picture of Chris Leo. And the caption said, yeah, I'm not really into the scene anymore. I mostly listen to Red House Painters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it, it is It is interesting, you know, the ages of where people get and what they are into. And the fan base sometimes stays in that one moment for you. And yeah. it's it's hard to break out. There's, there's moments where bands do it. Bands have a second life. Um you know, it's kind of interesting, the uh, Panic at the Disco. You know, they have a whole fan base that doesn't know the emo part. They have no idea. They might know yeah. one of the songs, but they weren't, like, around then. They're kids. So it is. it can kind of go both ways. But I think for, you know, you mentioned Tanner and kind of other bands. And there's been people that I've reached out to that don't want to be on it. Like, if I tell them that they're an awesome band, like, they almost don't like it. You've said that Jeremy from Sunny Day doesn't want to be on. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, he yeah. does not. It's okay. You know, I'm, I'll am still be here. You know, I think the, the if that word is so, you know, if you want to do everybody else's podcast and that word is so detrimental, like I, I, my whole thing to him and I've emailed him and talked to him, I said, I have a small group of people that love you. So if you want to talk, they will accept you whatever you're putting out. Like I love his last record ghosts. I will support him, whatever he puts out. And I think, you know, you kind of talk about that, like saves a day with in reverie and the backlash, everyone just saying, give me through being cool or give me stay what you are. Like, God, that must like, I would, that fan, like I I told the story about, um, taste of chaos and other people have had other instances about it. And I'd love your guys take on it, but I don't know if the bands of that era when they say they have a new record or they're moving on and or they're playing a different song and that majority of the fans aren't paying attention unless you're playing the hit, must be hard. Yeah. I literally just saw recently when Taking Back Sunday did that tour with Every Time I Die. Every, Every Time I Die have managed this trick where they've been relevant since 1999. People still love them and come out for their shows. Then Taking Back Sunday came on a headline and unless they were playing a song from their first two records or the the two hits from louder now like no one gave a shit no one was singing along no one was dancing and i feel like that's got to be like a blow to bands that want to keep evolving their sound and not be in this pigeonhole Um, wouldn't you want to support the new record i want taking back sunday to come back like adam actually uh i used to go to shows with him in north carolina he was in high school 
uh, and we'd always be at the same shows and he like loves all this stuff and we would go and I don't know if I, maybe if I didn't like the new hot water record and uh, yeah, but we'd still go. I don't know if I want him to come back. That's how I always feel about a lot of bands. And I think it is interesting to have that moment. And I think the other thing you guys might think about or have maybe thought about too, is the etiquette. And we were, you know, the, the where's the band tour with Pryor and Chris and yeah, Adriano. Yeah, 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 the one where Chris kind of went on his thing. So that the night before was at Bell House in Brooklyn, and I couldn't believe the talking. Like, I'll talk to a friend. Like, if you're standing next to me and we're like, oh my God, did you see that video online? Like, but but <laughs> this was like outwardly like, let's go get a beer. I'm going to go talk loud if Dan Andriano or Matt wasn't playing something off, something to write home about, really bummed me out. And I think Chris, you know, for all his, you know, people, you know, sometimes have things to say about him. And I think he's such a kind soul. And I think he just, you know, was bummed him out because they wanted to hear him. But he was like, I want to hear everybody else. And they couldn't. So is that the etiquette? Is that is that that fan didn't go to the punk rock show? And I don't know. Does that need to be like an extra credit at every school? I don't know, like some sort of like education. There's a divide. There's a divide between the DIY scene and then where the pop scene went. People who people who got into it maybe through going to see bigger bands aren't used to to having to be mindful and actually respect the people who are playing because you don't have to at at those huge venues. As compared to like, you know, I I went to I went to see CU Space Cowboy at a house show and it was super like if you didn't if you didn't like it and you wanted to talk you'd go outside you know like you're not you're not just gonna talk during the band set because that's unbelievably rude i i totally understand where you're coming from with that tom and i think that's a, a cultural divide it's like and it's not even an age divide it's a cultural divide between how you got into the music and maybe those bands i think the other part that we'll bring it back to the dj night thing where sometimes you so excited because you're playing all the hits and you think that everyone's enjoying it you know you think oh my god everyone's singing along and we're gonna play this you know pop punk song and then we're gonna go into this emo song because then it and but then i realized that there's kids out there that aren't the ones that are want to get jumping up and down and, and like screaming they want the introspective song or they want that quiet song and so there's that wave that you kind of roll and i think that same way with me if we're going to a show or you're probably going to a show you want to see all of that you don't just if you're just going to give me candy then i don't know i just it's not i'm just going to kind of get sick of it but i want to have that journey and i think that's the other part about music that i love all this pop punks. So I think a lot of people think, you know, oh, he hates all those bands. I don't hate the bands. I just think they get enough press and enough. I want to talk about the other bands and hopefully there's some back and forth, but it's like there's only so much, you know, of the hits that I can take before I want to hear that sort of like deep cut. Um, and maybe we're just a, maybe we're a, a dying off breed <laughs> that, that, that knows the 12th track. I've talked about this before. Like I know the 12th track for a lot of those records as much as the first, and maybe it is singles based and that's how people are releasing music now. That's how streaming kind of focuses things, not on albums, but on singles. Maybe that's, you're right. The, the <clears throat> cultural part. I mean, the real question is when are you going to start playing little peep at emo night? Never. 
<laughs> oh, 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 Tom, you're not down with the emo trap train? Nope. Nope. Uh, from the second that thing was announced and someone happened to say it on Pitchfork, I was I was saying, or was it noisy? I flipped. I forget what I wrote, but I think I pissed off. I think I lost about 100 followers. I don't remember what it was. I don't care. But I just, I couldn't believe that that was happening and that word I mean, when's when is when is the Scott email revival, guys? You guys are in the you guys are in the know more than me. When's that coming? I'm, no, it's a I'm thing. Just waiting, friends. But, uh, a, yeah, and yeah, just what's friends that? There's that that cover of January 14th by The World Is. That's the ska. Yeah. Oh, I actually yeah. like that cover. He's from yeah. We Are the Union. I, I think, do like, like that cover. Band. No, I'm totally I'm totally waiting for like the flaming tsunamis to come back for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it is it is. Uh, it is interesting to see the word get attributed to anything and everything. Well, I would argue that it's not arbitrary when it comes to trap. I would make that argument because, you know, obviously Adam from Tiger's Jaw does Wikiphase and like a lot of those and little peep samples of mineral. You know, there's like a lot of illegally, 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 uh, illegally. Sure. <laughs> But I mean, he then did we're not get... pay money to a band and used his sample money. Got it. Okay. I, I moving mean, on. Did the, did the Beastie Boys get all those samples for free for Paul's Boutique? I think they did. Because, uh, you know, sa- sampling was less of a, a legal issue back then, I suppose. But you I still had to get it. You still had to get the rights. Yeah. Sometimes things snuck through for sure. But I think, yeah, it's just like that blatant, like, of course people are going to know what that is. Would you be okay with emo trap if it like kept its? I mean, I guess you can't keep it separate because it's called emo trap. But because I mean, people in the sub always fight. It's like, oh, just get the emo trap in its own subreddit, and it's it has fine. its own subreddit, by the way, which I, I right, I, I yeah, mod. yeah. Uh, oh my but, god, I apologize. What, what How's it, that? <laughs> Should you take a shower when you're done? Jesus. I mean, <laughs> have you ever have you ever heard of Baron? No, no, it's a. They're emo trap artists. They sample like title fight, you know. So is that all it is? It's just it's just it's kids that are sampling emo bands. That's it. Well, it's kids that are sampling emo bands. They also have like a like a screamy, strained vocal delivery a lot of the time. You know, I think Offici- the lyrics- uh, officially right? old January twenty third, twenty eighteen. Tom Mullen <laughs> officially old. <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, Bones has been doing it for forever, so. Um, I just don't think if any just because like like the whole Drake thing like just because he oh, wrote a I sad hate, song I hated that article I hated that fucking article I know exactly what you're talking about I, I think that's when I lost 100 followers that and, writer and, who was like is Drake's and, more life the the best emo album of, of all time shut the yeah, fuck I, up I think I I think I, they unfollowed and I made it blocked me I think because I went off and I good. just was like you got to be kidding me and I think it's it, that whole thing about like just because they're sad and they wrote something, you're just going to marginalize it by saying emo, but you're almost complimenting the artist, but making fun of emo at the same time. Yeah, I understand yeah. where you're coming from, but I, I will make an argument that emo trap is a legitimate descendant of the actual music itself. Like at Maybe least some- another episode we could go through that. <laughs> Um, I'm waiting to be invited on washed. I'm waiting to come on washed up emo. I've been waiting. I tweeted at you <laughs> to come on washed up emo. Yeah, I said I'm a I'm an influential taste making blogger. Put me on, and you didn't like it. I probably didn't <laughs> respond. Yeah, 
No, I, 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 I said that to I said that to Ray from a hundred words or less too, and he actually did like the. But whatever. By the way, that the episode of a hundred words or less that you did with Ray is one of my favorites of that one. That one and the episode of Washed Up Ema that you did with Leslie Simon are my two favorite. Yeah, Leslie's stuff. awesome, and you know for what she did in that time and. You know, people should look up to her about like what she sort of did in that time period. And even still today, like just she came to the donut friend thing, as I said earlier, it's so rad to, you know, know that she was supporting that. But yeah, definitely Leslie. That was that was a super fun one. Uh, it took yeah. a, it, it took a lot to convince her to do it. I that's that's a shame because I feel like especially her not only being a woman in a in a male dominated field, um, but also writing about music that was shit on as like quote unquote gay and and whatnot like yeah. like all this all this toxic masculinity shit that was going on in 2007 when that book came out like i i give her endless props for managing to to make it accessible and super entertaining because i like like i said before i fucking love everybody hurts that's one of my one of my favorite books about emo yeah, did you hear the episode with Norm from Texas, Jason from The Promise yep. Ring, and Steve from yep. Thursday? Yep. You know, Jason should get a lot more credit for being out way before, <laughs> you know, Norm would tell stories about, you know, getting called all sorts of names. And I'm sure Jason, Norm can probably tell these stories better. But just, you know, listening back to that and then, you know, having Steve, Norm, and, and Jason come together and say, hey, uh, we'd love to, you know, do this. I think this would be great for Steve to come out this way publicly and to kind of have to have that on my shoulders and kind of w- talk through this and help. And what the fuck? Couldn't someone just say it? Who cares what someone is, you know, but it's still here. It's still around. And I think yeah. it's it's really important for people that are whatever they want to be. And you would hope that that house show and that punk show is going to be that place where you're not going to be judged. And that's how I always felt that it didn't matter what someone was. And I'm sure there was bullshit and drama, but for the most part, that's that sort of ethos that came through. And uh, those kind of moments, like the Leslie being in, you know, a woman in that time period, Jason coming out when he did early on norm, um, and having those things being said to them, like that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I I do. I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought it up because I do want to talk about it because I do think like our emo scene nowadays is a lot more accepting of that stuff, and that's you know 100 percent due to people like Norm or yeah Sean from Positron Zine, um, mm-hmm. and yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Because like I'm a I'm a I'm a trans girl, and I I, I have to say that. In the in the screamo scene and on the emo subreddit, I've gotten the most support for being who I am and being out. And I don't think that's something that could have happened if I was coming out in like the the, the 2007 scene. Sorry, you you keep taking a breath to talk, and I and I keep no, I no no. So sorry, ahead. I was I, I was actually going to say something, but I wanted you to keep talking. I think it is. I was going to say I want you to keep saying that because those moments like doing that podcast with Norm and Jason and Steve like was so important because that needed to be heard and it isn't just a bunch of dudes talking about the tour and how fucking crazy it was like say some talk about what was wrong and learn from it and i also i was going to say about the newer bands like having the dude from free throw or the guy from somos or other folks Uh talk about things openly i never did that my parents never did that so to be hey i don't feel good 
I'm going to talk to someone and it's okay to say your brain doesn't feel good and to talk about it. And that's the biggest thing I hated about emo and why I literally started the site was people in England, these articles were talking about kids and emo and they're going to cut themselves and that whole like suicide thing. And this emo makes you sad. I was never sad with emo. I never got sad. I was always like, it was a different feel. It was a happy to have these moments like the guy from Somos and all those guys be open and tell. I hope someone hears them and is okay to tell their mom like, hey, I'm not feeling well about this, this, and this. And you go and talk to somebody or you talk to your parents or somebody. That's awesome. And I think that only happened because of all the previous fuck ups. Of course, obviously, modern baseball and sorority noise are huge. One hundred percent. Yeah, I forgot to mention those. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I will say, I have gotten, I have gotten some shit on the sub, like uh, that. That you, I'm going to call them out right now. Teeth pasta. They, they like commented on a, on a, on a thread, and they were like, "Oh, you're a girl. Like you have the most fucking manly voice I've ever heard in my life." It's shitty, but the fact that it, that's it's now so outweighed by all the positivity. I think is like an amazing step forward. Have you talked to Kaya from Rainer Maria? I have not. No. So Kaya, you know, Trent transitioned from a male to a female, from Kyle to Kaya. And it's, you know, I think, you know, what her, you know, story and, you know, those things that she's gone through is pretty nuts. And I think, you know, it's like to have the support of music and her bandmates and to be able to feel connected still to a scene and for them to have new music and still tour and i don't know it's like i'm like it just makes me happy you know that someone can be themselves and still do the music it doesn't matter you're still yeah. you're still mm-hmm. you see you still got the hooks yeah and i i'll also say that a large part of i think some of the acceptance all that like hair metal emo stuff being very gender ambiguous and in the case of like bands like 18 visions who i consider like a pretty seminal like early quote unquote scene band you know james and javier went to beauty school and i think i think that that whole kind of like androgyny thing as much as it got shit on at the time really helped the aesthetics and the ability to express yourself in a more feminine way physically rather than just lyrically def- definitely was a was a big contributing factor in not just in like popular discourse but in the in the more underground scene like you hear a lot of kids nowadays uh you know come up in like the screamo scene they were heavily influenced by like say attack attack like that that whole like eyeliner era i i think is is something that needs to be talked about when it when it comes to expressing yourself in ways that are not like gender normative Mm -hmm. in emo and there was a thread there was a weird thread in the subreddit a while back called it was called uh, "What's the deal with all these bands painting their nails black?" <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they Which, had no idea. Yeah, they and like that's a thing that like bands like you know Prince Daddy and the Hyena are doing, like paint, painting their nails black. While while I understand that some people are confused, most of the responses in that thread were very positive, and I just I just think like rebuking gender norms and being accepting and open of people who are trans or people who just simply don't uh, conform to to those labels of whatever gender you want to ascribe to them 
is so very fucking punk rock and you know like christian from the hotel year being genderqueer like that's that that's something that i don't think could have happened in emo or punk rock 10 15 years ago so Mm -hmm. i that's another that's another reason i'm very happy to be coming up in this time when people are a lot a lot more accepting and i think you would have found those groups Oh yeah, then, but it definitely wouldn't have been, you know. I mean, who knows if the if the internet what it was then? Like, could it there could have been these things? But it's definitely you're right, more out in the open, which is better for and, everybody. And you know, I hear a lot of people who came up in the '90s hardcore scene talk about how like suffocatingly politically correct it was. Do you remember? I think it was a more than music fest where there was like a workshop on DIY abortions. I didn't know. I didn't catch that. Yeah. <laughs> and now nowadays with all like the stuff about like sexual assault allegations uh coming out there's a lot of people who are like oh this is the exact same call out culture that ruined the scene back in the 90s but no i think it's i think it's legitimately a good thing that there's being progress made and people are being called out for being abusers and people are actively trying to make the scene more of a safe place mm-hmm. uh, this this episode made me like extremely nervous why <laughs> I, I, I came into it knowing that Tom is extremely knowledgeable and on the subreddit and on the podcast, uh, I've been known to be like encyclopedic one. So I was like nervous about uh, not being able to measure up. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is no. So I, I think your knowledge is awesome. I think that your age and how what you've, you know, sort of picked up on is awesome. And, you know, we would have been friends in the 90s. And it would have been it would have been awesome. We would have gone to show. I would have jumped on your back if you were wearing a Snapcase shirt. So I think that Aww. same the same sort of like things of keeping the history alive and being able to you know sort of talk about these things and pass it on. And it is I we didn't mention like my real job, but like it's actually similar to what I do at Washed Up Emo, which is kind of crazy. So I can talk about that if you want, but like it's sort of the the history and people remembering and how to do that and what things you can do while you're in a band to have your legacy sort of remembered is i think the most important part please go ahead and talk about your your quote-unquote real job so the real job is i sit all day at a record label i've worked in the uh as soon as i graduated i was working at label doing a bunch of different things digital and marketing and had a lot of fun over the years and uh, been able to work with some of my favorite bands ever, you know, at punk labels, but then also work with giant bands and work with artists. Like, you know, it's like name, it, it's been nuts to kind of like, you know, be in Hawaii with Willie Nelson and work with Bob Dylan and then, you know, work with Jeff Bridges, like just off the top of my head. Like, that's crazy to think about as a punk rock kid. But all of that has culminated into sort of my life 10 years ago when I started Washed Up Emo was all about preserving the history and making sure people remembered the bands of the entire history. I do that now for bands at Atlantic Records. So when I'm, Death Cab is one of those. So I'm working with Death Cab, you know, helping people remember their catalog and their history and things to do and uh, across the board with the bands that are on the label, um, the labels of Atlantic. And it's cool. It's been a, it's an interesting kind of role, but it is mirroring what I do at night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where I'm like, I'm at work, I'm at, you know, it's funny that it's Death Cab, but sometimes it's, you know, a, a, a pop band or a, a rock band. And then I come home and it's like, 
all right, I got to go find that, you know, old braid interview that they did in that uh, punk planet zine. I need to read something and see if, you know, it's I'm kind of like archiving uh, and figuring out as I go um, with this genre because it hasn't been written down as well as, uh, you know, other labels like punk or hardcore. I think, you know, emo yeah. sort of still doesn't have that serious textbook. Uh, and so that's that's the drive. And I hope. You know, it is funny that two things kind of happen. Or my my night job is the same as my day job. Like that's awesome what you're doing, and that does kind of transition into one of the things I wanted to talk about, which is uh, how the promotion of DIY music has changed. Like on my website, I've done interviews with like CU Space Cowboy and Letters to Catalonia and Darkle and like these up and coming underground bands. And a a big part of my blueprint in that was uh, washed up email. I, I'm really curious to, to hear your take on how the promotion of music has evolved from from your perspective, both doing your independent Wash the Bemo thing as well as being with Equal Vision and with Atlantic. Yeah, it's it's been really nuts. And I think the, the Wash the Bemo is kind of a separate one that I can bring up at the end of, you know, I literally have just been doing that just for fun forever. Um, but I think for the label side, you know, getting someone to pay attention. It was always finding that thing that was next and trying to be there when there was the most eyeballs. I mean, that's what you want to do. You want to have the most people to have access to a song and listen to it. So at one point, it was MTV2 and Steven's Untitled Rock Show the for punk bands. That was it. That was, that was how you did it. Uh, it was, you know, we did TV commercials. I used to make TV commercials. You guys probably saw them. We would do it based on the market that the band had the most sales in on using SoundScan. So we would do, and you could get really cheap ads for MTV2 at night when some of these shows were on. I remember buying an ad in Albuquerque, New Mexico on like, I think it was Fuse or it might have been MTV, but there was like $5 a spot. And we could see the difference. Like the next week, we would see like upwards of, we would see double the sales. So it was kind of like you're constantly figuring out like pure volume, you know, when that was hitting or MySpace or whatever that next thing is, you're always sort of trying to, as a, as a promoter of music and marketing, what's that next place that you can be? And you're constantly changing the message, the look based on the artist and where the fan is it's 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 fun it's constantly changing it's not like the same you know thing every day which i like i can't have the same thing every day i'd, I'd go insane so it has it has been really crazy the thing i don't like now which maybe we can uh, bring it to today is the premiere thing where everyone's got to have a premiere and that's the only way to launch something and that's not the case like i think it's really at some things it works sometimes it does for bands but a lot of times i just think it gets really stale i don't go looking for premieres in the morning i look for <laughs> I, I asked that in a meeting once when we were all talking about premieres for records i go raise your hand if you went to look for a premiere this morning no one raised their hand so I was like, that's it. Why, or why, why do you think we would, if a random fan is, go where someone isn't? Uh, do you guys remember the website Mashable? Yes. Vaguely. So Mashable was this total like tech you know, website, and they didn't talk about music. But I had a friend there that I knew liked music, and I knew he liked uh, Beyonce and Destiny's Child. 
And I called him and I said, Hey, I have a Destiny's Child song no one's ever heard. Can you do a premiere? And he's like, We're a tech site. And I go, Exactly. How funny would that be is if you guys did a music premiere? <laughs> I got shit for it. What are you doing? We're supposed to do it on these websites. This is where people go. I go, No, the story is a song is on a tech site. People are going to pick that up. Like everyone, everyone reads Mashable in the morning. This was before Mashable got sold and they kind of filtered off. But again, this is when they were hot. So we did the, I convinced everybody, we did the premiere and it was everywhere because everyone read Mashable in the morning. It's that, that's kind of an example of always trying to kind of change it. I'd say quickly about washed up emo. I didn't realize people were listening to what I said for probably eight years. I didn't think anyone listened. My, you know, my Twitter followers were really small, Instagram, like Facebook. I just said whatever. One time I said something was like my friend had to call me and be like, you do realize people are listening to you, right? I didn't know. And so I had to change. I had to, I remembered that, oh, wait, there's people listening. I need to say it this way. I can't do that again. Sometimes I slip up and I say whatever, but for the most part, I I try and keep it cool. (laughs) You know, I really relate to that because I'm in the process of people actually giving a shit about what I say. Like I tweeted something like um, Blood Brothers are basically just B-52's Love Shack, but with better guitar work. And people like were furious with me. It's like my most controversial tweet ever. I totally understand where you're coming from with like that initial confusion of like how the, how the fuck how the fuck do I manage like I, I actually having an audience? So and it's, it, you know, and I think some people think it happens like instantly. They're like, I'm on Twitter and I'm saying all this. Yeah, I've been talking for ten years. Like that, I've been on Twitter since it started. Uh, I'm like, I have like a, I'm a crazy early adopter with technology and, uh, I signed up, I was the 7,666th person to sign up for Twitter. That's insane. (laughs) And it was like text-based, but that's how crazy I am about this stuff. So when I tell someone like, Oh, I'm not that I'm like, I like, you got to start early. You got to be there and like, figure out the kinks, make mistakes and you know figure it out and 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 try things it's not just going to magically happen that you're going to have things rolling into you so it is that balance of you're trying to figure it out make mistakes but then also realize people are listening and i you know i one of the best compliments i had from somebody a publicist kind of said they were like hey you know when you talk about a record you know that that's somewhat of a seal of approval and I had never heard that before. I just, I just talked about bands I liked, and I didn't care to talk about every Bandcamp link that I got. It was cool to hear that, and now I try to be really respectful of that, and you know, try and help, and you know, because I know the name. Sometimes people get bummed about, but I hope as your socials and those things, and, and more talking about these bands, you're probably taking that into account. Of I need to be you know, understanding of that because there's someone listening out there. And I love that you said about that email, like, of course, I'm going to email you back. You're interested in talking about these records or this music. Of course, I'm going to tell you to do that. It's always about the whole thing about being nice to your interns. They'll be your boss. No, you're, you're, you're completely correct. And not only having to be an early adopter, but also managing what you say in a in a way that not not quite diplomatic because I don't want to use like such a such a businessy word, but you know like like take for example like a, a band like a uh, Nervous Dater you know they they've unfortunately been the subject of like many an internet shitstorm I I feel like that's like a a byproduct 
of people like not knowing how to how to properly conduct themselves on the on these platforms not necessarily nervous data but the the people who immediately jump down their throat i i feel like having to having to navigate the this really intense web now of fan interaction and how much easier it is for you to just talk to somebody in your favorite band is like a huge element of it, it, it's the exact like nexus of how promotion of music has changed in recent years is that immediate ability to connect you know which one i didn't mention which i thought would make sense to mention is you know absolute punk when we would post on <laughs> when we were at evr you'd post a song and you'd hope that they would cover it and then what you did was you would count the number of people that were positive around the song or negative and for the most part you would focus on the negative and i think that was a shift when i'm like wait a minute why are we paying attention to the four people or maybe the one person that said sucks you know like that that hot cross song sucks you somehow (laughs) think that that's it like that's the only response when I don't know. I think I've commented on, I mean, probably every Jimmy World absolute punk post. But other than that, like I don't think I've commented. So I might have loved the Hot Cross song, but I'm not going to say anything. And I think that's got to that point where we need to see the like, the favorite, the comment for us to think to be validated. When there's probably hundreds of people that have. I don't know, probably never reached out to my podcast, never reached out to me ever, but listen. And I have to hope that that's what's happening. And I hope that over at some point that somehow equals out to what people understand is what what's worth of what you're doing. Like it shouldn't just be what some people say for comments for the four minutes they just happen to see that post before it's on the next page. You know, I I feel like Absolute Punk is almost a bad example because I can't think of a of a more negative user base than but Absolute But for a while, Punk. that's where you needed to be. For that yeah, era, yeah. that's where you had to be. It was almost like fish where the fish are. That's where yeah, they yeah. were. Punk yeah. News was a little bit better. They were a little bit more refined. Um, but then, that, you know, message boards property, before that, Bridge Nine message board. Yeah, property is act for sure. That's where they were. So that's what you you took it as when I think the thing I talk about a lot is that like patience part. Going to the show and seeing the band, and sure I might have walked out during Brothers Keeper. Everybody did. <laughs> but I'm gonna walk I'm gonna walk back in. I always have to have a Brothers Keeper joke. Uh, or twenty five to life. Those are the those are the two you always gotta do. But, the, you yeah. know, you go back in for the band or you check out the – and I'm not saying it's bad. Like I wish I had a cell phone back then to learn about all the bands. But I just – the patience part of the music and the band and I think bands had a longer time to cultivate themselves. And maybe some bands get big because of the internet and they – if they weren't, that wouldn't have happened. And that's always going to be that story. But I think – I think a band had more time to kind of be themselves and figure it out. Yeah. And it's harder absolutely. now. It's harder. You got a band camp account. No one pays attention. You're trying to get a booking agent. You can't get tours. You, know. you got to figure out your persona immediately. You you're right. have like a yeah. defined internet personality. Like you have to be, if you're not like a world is a beautiful place or self-defense family with like your immediate super snarky click grabbing internet presence, uh, you got you got to figure something else out. It's so hard to to get noticed as an artist if you don't have like this personality that your fans can glom onto. 
That is exactly right. It's it's almost like you have to have your media training. Someone's really good at Twitter. You've got great merch. And yeah. the good the bands that know that stuff, that can knock that stuff out, great. And it's, I don't know, maybe, maybe we're missing out on a band that would have gotten that on the second record. And they yeah. were horrible. And they did the, you know, cardboard seven inch. And we would have never gotten that far. Maybe. Um, God. Are you still laughing about the Brothers Keeper joke? I am still laughing about the Brothers Keeper joke because fucking Mike Ski. God damn. God, it's so good. You can always do that joke. I almost feel like I can't make jokes about 25 to life, though, because like... No, he's straight Rick, crazy. No, Rick has sustained brain damage. Yeah, he's why, is why he's yeah. like that. I live in New York, too, and I just said that. That's bad. Um, yeah, I said something once along the lines because I did a I did an article about right wing politics and hardcore and uh, like insidious that is. Someone was like, "Wow, you've gotten like a lot of shit for this article," and I was like, "Yeah, I feel like somebody from New York's gonna like reach through the screen and punch me in the face with a sock full of quarters." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, uh, I just realized I put the emo subreddit in "Is this been emo?" a long time ago. I won't change it until you guys look at it, and then I'll. <laughs> Can you? Uh, Kyle, can you pull it up and tell me what it says? Yeah, it's like, emo subreddit is an emo band. They're not friends, though. Dot, 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 shrug emoji. Fans. They're not fans, though. Shrug emoji. Come on, guys. I told you about that. I could have changed this and never t- told you. That's a, yeah, thanks for the free. I feel like we've squashed, though. Oh, yeah, we're fine. Yeah. Like you said, as soon as you find out that somebody else is a hardcore kid, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're fine. Uh, no, I think the, uh, I, the, I think it just, the Reddit part was just, it's just, I didn't, I had never seen more people like attack someone <laughs> in my life. That's their MO on Reddit though. Like it's yeah. the fact that you're anonymous and it just turns into a dog pile. I did do an, is this Ben emo subreddit AMA or sorry, AMA on post hardcore. Yeah. Oh. No, I remember that. Yeah. Which um, was fine. I didn't, I didn't feel any backlash. But I guess, I don't know, that's part of, again, that's probably part of being out there. Like if, again, my girlfriend who says, uh, you're the king of a castle I've never heard of, you know, like literally <laughs> just could care less. And I think that kind of takes me down to size. Like she's like, I don't care who those bands are. I don't know who you are. They, uh, they, I, I don't know why they think, you know, so it's funny to hear that. But then you know it's fun to you know kind of be on the other side and i never wanted that i think there's a lot of you know the dj nights you know they're they're up on a stage they kind of want to be this face everything has always been like yes i'm hosting the show or yes i'm guesting and promoting a book and do it but it's like my picture's not in the book like i'm not you know the dj nights are pretty chill like i just want people to know more about the bands and hopefully hopefully that comes through your girlfriend comment is so funny <laughs> like, oh my god she literally is like i could care less um I, I literally i literally got my current girlfriend through my fucking blog so, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's so it's so amusing because like you hear you hear this all the time like uh this, this like joke of like hey it's uh like when sometimes when i go see like a hardcore band live it'll, it'll the front man will be like oh yeah to, to all the girls in the audience I'm sorry your boyfriend dragged you here you know and like on the one hand that's a really shitty attitude but on the other hand I think it's pretty it's pretty awesome to have like a, a partner who doesn't give a shit about that mm-hmm. like I feel like 
not only does that like keep you grounded it's also like a good escape for when like the that whole drama becomes too much yeah, I, I actually like that it's – I don't want someone to be, like, super nerdy about this stuff. Like, let me be nerdy. Let's go do other stuff, and I kind of, like, can turn off. Like, I love video games. I love, like – we play, like, Mario Kart like crazy. Um, I played a tournament in the office and won. Um, like, you know, there's, like, other stuff that I'm into – that isn't music and it's like it's fun like i watch english soccer like it's fun to not have those things and yes i'm obsessed and think about it constantly but it's great to like not have that all the time my girlfriend loves it when i go off about the this like minutia though that's the flip side of it like it's really nice to have somebody like just be super supportive of what you're into and like want to hear about it yeah no relationships are funny if if i have a girlfriend does that mean i have to resign as the moderator of our emo (laughs) <laughs> why <laughs> no i'm a, i'm in a i'm in a happy relationship that means i can't listen to emo music oh. right <laughs> false false, false. Um, i burned my girlfriend out on emo she doesn't like it now really what would you yeah. what did you burn her out on i just like obsessing about like going to shows and buying records and stuff and then just like she checked out of it all really yeah what what was it was it what what was the band that did it this is a bad example because it like also killed the band for me but like going to see the front bottoms live and realizing that i'm like the most mature person here by like just just eon i had someone come up to me at a front bottom show and say what the fuck are you doing (laughs) incredible incredible that's what happens when i go to shows that aren't emo like what are you doing here i'm like i don't know music I'm only I'm what am I only allowed to go see American football? <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> yeah, so I just had to like apologize for the front bottom show and I was just like I didn't like that. I didn't like being there. I didn't like any one in that like six hundred person room. So Wow. Yeah. So when the next show you were like, Hey honey, oh you know what never Yeah. Uh, literally <laughs> the last the the last person I dated at one point like looked me dead in the eyes and said stop talking about 18 visions wow (laughs) that should be a t-shirt that should be your t-shirt that's merch for you thank you yeah no uh 18 i will like die on the cross for 18 visions i worked in 18 visions record really yeah i gotta remember which one hang on was it obsession because i i remember that being like the one that like really threw them into the whole butt rock realm (sighs) Fuck, which one? Also on Vanity, they were like already they already had like that those lighter notes with them like doing the whole fashion line thing. God, their past <laughs> members is as long as the Bible. Jesus. <laughs> Good lord. Rest, rest in peace, Mick. Wait a minute. Go. What's the band that sounds like 18 Visions but isn't? Avenged Sevenfold. <laughs> no, it wasn't Avenged Sevenfold. Uh Atreyu? No, bleeding through shit you're really good at these other bands though this is a fun <laughs> game um but anyway i just remember him dancing in the show and he had like an axel rose ass move doing it it was weird the band that sounds like 18 visions and it's not any of those other fashion core bands no were they from orange county i mean isn't that where this all comes from yeah i mean that's that's <laughs> i think I, I think it is a class hey would you I like jim or 18 visions i'll take 18 visions <laughs> yeah. 
this is, does like remember. Trivium sound like one of those bands? It's, I don't know. What no, Trivium they were like, more metal. Like, no, Trivium okay. more. This was more this, like glammy. Was it like from Autumn to Ashes? I honestly think it's the Vanity record. It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. All I remember is I was I was working it and it stuck and I had to watch him dance at Irving Plaza. I couldn't make it go home. Sorry, um, you can edit that out. I apologize. Don't edit any of this out, Kyle. I swear to God, if you cut one thing out of this episode, I'll fucking kill you. It's just yeah. I guess I guess it's just going straight to iTunes like this. Yes. No, I'm dead serious. I want I want this like warts and all because this is great. This is my favorite episode so far. Um I don't I don't think I told Kyle this, but like deliberately in my mind I was like I'm going to get Tom to talk about hardcore this whole time. <laughs> you got a you got a uh, brother's keeper joke out of me. That's good. I, I did. Uh, that fucking song that fucking song name dropper is so bad. <laughs> that you know a song is is better than me (laughs) (laughs) so i think you should do when this episode's did and people are commenting you should let me know if it's safe (laughs) to go dude that that is exactly what okay so when we dropped the first episode i was so just anxious and nervous that i had my girlfriend like go on the sub and like and, 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 and she I was just like are people saying that we're idiots are they saying something about me am I getting called out and she was just like no it's all positive and I was just like I was a fucking wreck yeah see and, it goes this is the absolute punk moment again see you're looking for you're looking for that one asshole meanwhile like Kyle's I, I, a, Kyle sucks it's like no I he was, doesn't <laughs> I was posting it on late in like the like screamo Facebook groups I'm in, and instead of like wanting positive comments, I just went in and was like a super confrontational asshole with everyone who said anything. Like one person was like, "Are you guys going to talk about how On a Wire is the best Get Up Kids album?" And my reply was, "On a Wire is the best Get Up Kids album in the same way as Very Emergency is the best Promise Ring album. It's fucking not." <laughs> I love On a Wire. <laughs> sorry um i i really hope like the podcast becomes known for how mercurial and confrontational like the people who run it are <laughs> i i want i want that to be our persona i like this, that the, 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 these people are gonna fucking yell at you if you're an asshole that's what i want based on this conversation do you think washed up emo fans will be down with the e-word i think the i've only, you guys have five episodes right so yeah. far uh yeah i think if uh i think if you guys are if you guys go deep i think i think they'll i think they'll be there and i also think i like that it's different uh, it's the old thing do you guys remember uh couch um couch club king or is that what that's called yes. couch couch king. King? yeah so yeah. i love couch king and i think sometimes people get a bad rap of being like you know someone's like you know you're the only one that wants to i'm like no way couch king knew about all these bands and i promoted them promoted their site they ended up you know writing for other people and doing other things like that's that whole thing about like i'm happy to be on i'm happy to help you guys and promote and tell people about this because you're doing something different like i talk my whole thing is evergreen story with an artist you can listen to it 10 years from now 15 years from now and it's relevant that's my thing if someone wants to do that great but you guys are doing something completely different why wouldn't i want it to be just as big to talk about these bands so more people it's just i don't know it's uh that's the one thing that i think 
I get a bad rap on um, that I don't want to be the only person to fucking fight this because it's expensive, like I said earlier. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's you, there's us, there's uh, I Might Go to the Beach is another good emo podcast. Like, yeah. What is what, a, what's what's that one again? He's um, like talk to like uh, Tim Kinsella, the brave little abacus guy. Um, it's like a lot uh, of these people that don't. Mark do Z. Danieluski on Reddit. His, his username is Mark Z. Danieluski. So yeah, like there's a there's definitely like a burgeoning community of EMA podcasts, and I couldn't be more stoked about it. Like I want us all to connect. I mean, doing this since 2011, no one was talking to the bands. Now, then, cool. Let's all you know help each other out and help people learn about the genre and learn about the bands and hopefully you know they go and listen to it and support them if there's a reunion or if it's just listening to them on spotify or buying the record on discogs no my what i hope comes out of this podcast actually more than anything that you finally put me on washed up emo tom (laughs) (laughs) the podcast yeah fucking interview me i dare you (laughs) you dare me yeah, I will do the. I can totally do an interview on. This. Like, I don't know wait, if the wait, podcast fits. Like, like, le- like, legitimate interview. Yeah, like we could do an interview on the site. Holy shit! <laughs> I've never, I've never been interviewed before. I'm about to cry. Holy shit! I didn't think about? that was gonna work. I didn't think that was gonna work. I mean, the podcast <laughs> isn't gonna work. There's no way. I'm not gonna let yeah. you on that train. Um, no. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I think if if uh, if I think talking about Reddit, talking about music, uh, the old school stuff, your age, I think that's all kind of cool things people be interested in. So so we could totally do that. I I, I basically called you a coward and dared you to put me on, and you. <laughs> did it i feel really proud and punk rock right now thanks no i didn't let you on the podcast there's no fucking way we there's no way i would do that come on you got to put out a seminal record before i'm in a i'm i'm in a band called push down and turn we'll we'll fucking see we'll i fucking can't see. wait oh i can't wait don't tell me is it on Bandcamp? no no we're, our music is a uh, title exclusive, actually. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> I have I have a I have a title. <laughs> Feel free to let me know. <laughs> All right. Um, do you do you think it's about time to wrap this episode up, Kyle? Yeah, Tom. Tell us where people can find you on the internet. You can find me on washupemo.com, any of the social networks that you're interested in: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all washed up emo. And then anthologyofemo.com is the book volume one is out now it's in select stores around the country including amoeba uh in la and san francisco blue uh, bull moose you can get it at polyvinyl anthologyvmo.com has updated uh links and i'm working on volume two hopefully you dig and feel free to reach out anytime and if you want to see if your favorite bands on is this band go for it <laughs> thank you and this is the part-time job and thank you for anyone i wish i could do more but is you know, it's crazy that it's turned into this. So I hope people still dig it. You can find me uh, on Twitter at you don't need maps. Uh, can follow my blog on Facebook or uh, at you don't need maps uh, Instagram, Tumblr, all that good stuff. You want to uh, buy a domain? You going to buy a domain? I will soon. I will okay. soon. All right. Yeah, Step I got up. my, I got my, I got my uh, financial aid return. <laughs> Step um, it up, all right? All right, thanks. I'm on Reddit as you sarcastosaurus. Uh, go read my email history lesson. Tell me how much of a SJW piece of shit I am, and that's it. 
All right, and you can find me on Instagram. That's the only place you can find me at Nothing Feels Gucci. The Instagram and the and the Twitter for the E Word is the E Word Podcast, and you could email us at the E Word Pod at Gmail dot com. And uh, make sure you are subscribing on iTunes and uh, recommending on Overcast and all this stuff. Um, it does help. Have we yeah. gotten a review yet? We have one review. We have one written review. <laughs> what, what's the review say? That we're talking about bands that would not be mentioned on, on any other podcast, which... <laughs> solid, solid. I love that. I hope that's a one-star review, too. It's not that fucking asshole Tom. doesn't fucking mention any of those bands I like. Uh, I believe the review is titled A True Underground Perspective. Oh, yeah, baller. Yeah. Oh, that old asshole yeah. doesn't know shit. Hey, Kyle, <laughs> I looked on your Instagram real quick. You posted the Hold Steady record. Um, that's true. That is a record that I worked at Vagrant when I was there. Oh, you work for Vagrant too? Yep. Uh, That's a great record. Yeah, it took me a long time to find that record below like $60. I was actually surprised when you posted that. I was like, oh, wow, you found that. <laughs> nice. Which record is it? Stay Positive. Stay Positive. Stay Positive. My favorite is Separation Sunday. Um. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, yeah. Tom. Like, we literally cannot express enough, like how amazing this was because not not only your biggest name we've ever had but also being being able to to have like this sort of deep dive conversation you know that's pro this is probably like the the deepest the conversation has ever gone on the podcast before so thank you for being like a, a legitimately wonderful guest Right, thank you guys and i'm stoked that we've connected and we're you know hopefully we can work together and if there's and bands and I don't know, things that I should know that I'm not talking about, please tell me. Like I said, I sit at a job all day. I try to do as much as I can at night. Um, you know, there's things that I'll miss. So I love it when someone tells me about a thing or emails me a song band or what about this idea? I am all about that. So maybe I'll dive into the subreddit a little bit more um, after, uh, well, after it's posted and you guys tell me if it's safe, then I'll go in. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, anything else, if there's other stuff that you guys want to think about or do together, uh, I'm all about it. Awesome. Cool. Thanks guys. Thank you, Tom. <laughs>